Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. I want to give you my heart from the scriptures concerning this next season of ministry. I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 13. This is one of the great parables that Jesus shares It's a very encouraging passage for me, especially as a gospel person. I want to see people come to know Jesus. Uh, I believe that my evangelistic gift is more more pronounced than any other gift that I have. I think that calling is strong in my life. I have a real desire for people who do not follow Jesus to follow Jesus. Matthew chapter 13 helps take the pressure off of me because Jesus gives like a mathematical formula for how the gospel works. Matthew 13 and verse He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across a field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on the shallow soil. With underlying rock, the seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. So here's the encouragement to me, is as I share the gospel, when people don't receive the gospel, they are not rejecting me, they're rejecting Jesus. So I can live to fight another day, right? And if they can reject Jesus, then Travis can be a big enough boy to be rejected himself, right? So that gives me faith and hope for the future as I walk in my gospel calling. Now, let me say something really quickly about this passage, because this is the true word of God. This is truth. Jesus spoke it. It's true. I had somebody well-meaning, you know, maybe a little bit more intellectual than me, and, and felt like he had a better handle on what was happening in the culture, to tell me, he said, you know, pastor, we need a better retelling of the gospel. I said, no, brother, we don't need a better retelling of the gospel. We just need to tell the gospel. The gospel does not need to be innovated. It does not need to be improved. It is perfect. How many of you know Jesus is perfect? God's plans are perfect, right? So we don't need to improve on that. What we need to do is we just need to tell the gospel. We just need to tell people that are created in the image of God, that have been separated from God, that God loved them so much that he sent them Jesus to reconcile them back to him. They need to repent and be saved. Some people will repent and be saved and other people won't repent. They won't be saved. Listen to me. There is a God in heaven and there is a heaven and there is a hell. Heaven is for those who choose to follow Jesus, for those who follow Jesus. Hell was created for Satan and those that rebelled against God. It was not created for people, but God will allow people to follow after their heart. How could a good God sentence people to hell? No, this is a question. That's a wrong question. The right question is, how could people who have been created in the image of God turn their backs on Jesus and not follow after Jesus and choose something like this? Oh, the gospel is perfect. There's no problem with the seed. Let me tell you about seed. Seed, it wants to live. The gospel seed is perfect. The problem isn't in the seed, the problem is in the soil. Uh, Turn to your neighbor right now and say, God is the constant, you are the variable. 
God is the constant, I'm the variable. God never changes, he never lies, he is perfect. But Travis, on the other hand, a little bit of a wild card. June is a little bit of a wild card. Now that one got more laughs than Pastor Travis did. (laughs) God is perfect, but you catch us on the wrong day, even the most faithful people. Even Billy Graham had what he called, what we now call the Billy Graham rule, in that he would not even ride an elevator with a, by himself with a person of the opposite sex. Why? Because even Billy Graham was capable of failing. Why? Because Jesus is perfect and Billy Graham is not perfect. Oh, the seed wants to live, even if the soil isn't in the best condition. And, and I know this, I've learned this. When Kelly and I were first married, we, we got this really great house and Kelly's uh, younger brother had just graduated from high school before he went into college. He um, took a year and lived with us. And he worked, he was in landscaping and every single day he would bring home a tree, which was great because I love working in my yard. I love for my grass, for all my grass to be green. I love for my trees to be like soldiers in a row. I like for my lawn, everything to be perfect. And so when Kevin was bringing home trees, every day I was planting trees. And after a year, it looked like I lived in the Amazonian rainforest. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. I had all these palm trees, royal palms and coconut palms and Washingtonians and all kinds of different palm trees. It just made my yard to me look beautiful, but I did have this one tree. It was a black olive tree. And the thing about black olive trees is that the female trees will hold their leaves, but the male leaves are always dropping their leaves. We had a swimming pool in our backyard. Listen, I felt like I lived in heaven. It looked gorgeous, except this one stinking tree. And because I was cheap, I cleaned my own pond, uh, a, a pool. Um, I took care of it. I chlorinated it. I kept, I kept the acid in the base level and all of that stuff. But man, these leaves would drop into my, tr- into my pool and I didn't like it. So one day on a Saturday, I just went out there and I wasn't even really thinking. Just the next thing I had known is I took my chainsaw and I cut the tree down in my backyard. So I hauled it out of my backyard and I said, I'll teach that tree. I was feeling really happy. My, my yard looked beautiful. Two weeks later, I walked back out and hit that trunk of that tree that I had cut down, there was a little green shoot of growth coming up out of that trunk. And so I went and took and I, I reached down and I, I plucked that little green shoot of growth up. I said, that'll teach him. And I walked on about my business. June, two weeks later, I come back out and there was another little green shoot of growth. I said, oh man, forget this. I kicked it, knocked it off, went inside, got my DeWalt, the biggest drill bit I could get. I drilled about 12 or 13 holes into that trunk. I took a whole bottle around up, took the lid off, and I poured it down into that tree. And I was like, now, nah, what are you going to do about that? Two weeks later, he said, what I'm going to do about that is I'm going to have another green shoot of growth growing up. I said, you got to be kidding me. So I go to my buddy. His name is Bill Rance. Bill, his wife, Arlene, which Arlene, if you're watching right now, I love you even though you put me in detention in middle school more than any other teacher I ever had in my life. I went to Bill, who was in landscaping. I said, Bill, let me tell you about my tree. I tell him about the tree. Cut it down, green shoot, cut it down, green shoot, cut it down, round up, green shoot. It keeps coming. He said, Pastor, you just do not understand. He said, things just want to live. You hear what I'm saying? Bill said, Pastor, things just want want to live. Let me give you another one. 
we had goats. Y'all know that we had goats. And, um, you know, pastor's barbecue, people come over. It was this big entertainment spot, all of these goats. Uh, the girls named the girl goats, you know, Willow, Piper, Katniss, Everdeen. Um, you know, real sweet little hippie girl names. And then Blake and I named the boys. Two Attack of Aloha, Jalen Hurts, Toby Mack, Harry Connick Jr. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of how it broke down. One morning I go out. And some dogs had got in with our goats. And there were goats laying all over the field. My kids were about to go to school. And as they're going, they didn't know this was happening in the back. This has happened in the backyard. Um, as they were leaving, Blake said, hey, Dad, there, look, there's some dogs. And I saw, the do- I saw the dogs coming out of my backyard. So I waved at the kids as they drove away. I didn't want to give them a bad day, let them know what had gone, gone on. So they drive, and I go directly into my house. I grab a Glock and a bagel, right? (laughs) A Glock and a bagel. My nine millimeter and a bagel. And I go and get into my truck. And then I remembered the movie John Wick. I said, let's not, that's a bad idea. So I put the gun up. (laughs) I, I put the gun away. Then I also had flashes of, you know, the local newspaper. Local pastor loses his mind like Yosemite Sam. You know, that's what I was thinking. So... Put the gun away. When I went in the backyard, one of the goats was dead. A number were injured. One little pregnant mama had fought off these goats. There was a mom and a, a little baby goat. The mom had attacked the goats at the point of entry in the fence and had been, that's where she died. She fought, a little goat fought those dogs. It was like heroic, saving her baby. And I remember seeing that little goat lay in there And I thought, you know what? She wanted to live and she wanted her baby to live. Every single one of us go through this. As we face terminal illnesses, we will spend a lifetime's worth of wealth in the last week of our life. Why would we do that? Because we want to live. Things want to live. I want to live. And I want my things to live. This is just the truth. I want you to jump with me over to Isaiah chapter 38 in verse 16. Here's a really good biblical example here uh, in, in uh, verse 38. You see King Hezekiah. It's a fantastic story. Hezekiah has this amazing uh, story where he's sick in chapter 38. The Bible says he's sick. He's terminal. He's going to die. The prophet of the Lord is saying he's going to die. And then in verse 2, Verse one, into verse one, Isaiah says, this is what the Lord says, set your affairs in order for you are going to die. You will not recover from this illness. In in verse two, the Bible says that when he heard this, he turned his face to the wall and he wept. The Bible says he wept bitterly and he sought after the Lord. And now one, this is a powerful verse for you when it comes time to pray. Is there anybody, really quick sidebar, is there anybody that says, Pastor, I have some things that I'm praying about in my life. I need God to work. Is there anybody praying like that? Just raise your hand, just right where you are. I want you to know, there is a good roadmap right here. I appreciate the fact, that I, I appreciate the psychological, the psychiatric, the emotional benefits of prayer. Prayer changes the way that I see things, but I appreciate the fact that prayer changes things. The Bible says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And we see that in King Hezekiah's life because he weeps and he prays. And then in verse four, 
then the message came to Isaiah from the Lord. Go back to Hezekiah and tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David says, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will add 15 years to your life and I will rescue you and this city from the king of Assyria. Yes, I will defend this city. So we see God doing this incredible work in Hezekiah's life. And this is important to me. When I look at verse uh, 38 or chapter 38, verse 39, I actually see a little bit of a picture of the church in 2021. We see an onslaught of culture pressing in on the church. We see all kinds of ideological agendas invading the church and invading family, invading school, invading government, all kinds of things that we never would have imagined that we would see. Am I describing this for anybody? Have have your kids come home from school and told you something they were learning and you were about ready to go, um, you go crazy on somebody. You're, you're, you're ready to go, you know, step back into the school and, and give a teacher a piece of your mind. Anybody feel like that before? Anybody? When I look at Hezekiah, Hezekiah is saying, he's saying, I want to live. The church is saying, you know what? I just want to go back to the good old days. I, I, just, I just want things to be like they were. Really quickly, let me just tell you, things are never going back to like they were, right? So just go ahead and dismiss that from your mind. But the reality is I do, as a child of God, I do want to walk in victory. I want to walk in freedom. I want to walk in joy. I want to walk faithful to the Lord. What I don't want is I don't want the king of Assyria or some ideology that's pressing in on this day. I don't want it to rob my joy or my relationship with the Lord. But I think this is a limited prayer. I don't want to just be respected so that I can worship freely. I don't want to just be the one that lives, but I want my things to live. I want my neighbors to live. I want my city to live. I want my world to live. I want that when I breathe my last breath, that the enemy knew that Travis Johnson lived his life to the fullest and in partnership with God and his good gospel. That, that, that's what I want to see. I want to see something a little bit more. Hezekiah makes a U-turn or a, a, he takes a, a, a detour in chapter 39, verse 35. We see Hezekiah has a little bit of a problem and that now he's again under attack. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, and this is where I don't like Hezekiah at this point. In chapter 39, I don't like him anymore. Listen to this message from the Lord of heaven's armies. The time is coming when everything in your palace, all the treasures stored up by your ancestors until now will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. This next verse is a terrible thing to hear. Some of your very own sons will be taken away into exile. Some of your very own seed will be taken from you. It may be that the church... Today is some people are hearing, well, some of the very own legacy, heritage, gospel heritage that has been given to you will be taken away. Here's how Hezekiah responds. This is not the proper response of the church. Says says they will become eunuchs who will serve in the palace of Babylon's king. Let, Let me just tell you right now, before our eyes, there are mainline denominations that have given up the gospel and have acquiesced and compromised to the God of this age. Hezekiah said to Isaiah, this message you have given from the Lord is good. For the king was thinking at least there will be peace and security 
during my time. Let me tell you, this is not the response of legacy people. This is not the response of kingdom people. How many of you know that we are not our own, but we've been bought by Jesus Christ? And you know, we don't only live for Jesus, but we also live for our neighbor. We live for this world. We live so that our sons and daughters and our neighbors who are a long ways off from Christ would come to know Christ. The agenda of the kingdom of God is not just for us to get one more feel-good message, one more, you know, self-help message so that we can live a better life in this moment. Yes, I do believe, I do believe that when we come to Jesus, that we were in a pit, we were in miry clay, and God pulled us out and set our feet on a rock, and we are better than what we were, but that is not the end result, the end goal of the gospel. The end goal is that those who were lost now are found. Those who were bound now are free. Those who were captive now have liberty and we are restored in relationship with Jesus Christ. How many of you believe that today? And it's not only for us. How could we who were broken, who were busted, who were, who were dysfunctional, who were lost in our sin, how could we find a seat at God's table and not bring a, pull open a seat for our neighbor? How could we receive the gospel of salvation, freedom from sin, and, and redemption in Christ Jesus, and then not share it with other people? Yet so many of us are like King Hezekiah that says, as long as there's peace in my day. That we would say, you know, thank God for 71 years that God brought us up out of that little white chapel and then put us into Indian Springs, and then has Pastor Matt get us over here on Moffat Road, and then all of this really wonderful things happen, and then, then airport campus happened, and Pastor, don't mess with it right now, because everything has gotten just right, and it's easy. No, it, it, and Pastor, when is enough? Enough. Enough? Enough is never enough. As long as there is one person in Mobile that does not know Jesus, we are continuing to move this ball forward for Jesus Christ. No, but pastor, you know, things are good. Things are good. We we shouldn't have to work. We shouldn't have, can't we just enjoy ourselves? Can't we just sit on our hands for a little bit? No, the Bible says that we need to work while it's still day because the night is coming. And, And what if it's your son that will be left out in the night because we didn't work, because we didn't do our part? Listen, if we'll do what we're supposed to do, then God will do what we cannot do. I know we can do this thing. And, and we are not going to line up. We are not going to finish this thing uh, like Hezekiah did. Now, remember, things want to live, and I want my things to live. And we also have to keep in mind that, you know, Jesus did say that some, soil, some seed is going to land on bad soil, and some people aren't going to be saved. And, Pastor, you just need to be okay with it. Well, I'm not okay with it. I'm not, but pastor, Jesus said, it's like this. I know Jesus did, but Jesus also said, it's not his will that any would perish. And that's why he sent his son, Jesus. And you know what? I just want to be like Jesus. And if Jesus is hungry to see one more person come to know Jesus, then I want to be too. So let's go out of this field that Jesus talks about. Let's go out of Hezekiah's house and let's go into uh, a little lentil field that Israel had. Go, go with me to 2 Samuel chapter uh, 23, and we're going to look at David's um, last words as he's reminiscing on all of the wonderful things the Lord's done. And let me tell you today, God has done some amazing things. 
Today I feel so reflective on all of the wonderful things that God has done for us as a church and my life and my family's life. And I'm recounting the great men and great women in my life. This is what David was doing. The same David that was building the temple or that was preparing for Solomon to build the temple that we've been talking about through this whole series. But why was the temple even allowed to be built? Because they were willing to stand. 2 Samuel chapter 23 records David's mightiest warriors. There were 37 of David's mighty men of valor. There, were, there was a group that was called the 30. The 30, I think, was actually David's mighty men, but then there were seven people who weren't invited. They came on in because they rose to the challenge. They, they, they weren't on the invitation list, but when the Philistines presented themselves, when the need arose, they got into the mix. So there's a 37, there's a 30. And then within this group, there's the three. The three were David's most elite warriors. There was Jashabim. He was the lead. He was, the, he, he was a lead dog right there. He managed the three. There was Eliezer. And then there was Shammah. I want you to look at Shammah's life with me in verse 11. Next in rank was Shammah, the son of Agi from Harar. And I think this is the roadmap. This verse right here is the roadmap for the next season of Pathway Church life and ministry. One time the Philistines gathered at Lehi and attacked the Israelites in a field full of lentils. The Israelite army fled, but Shammah held his ground in the middle of the field and beat back the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. I love that. Let me tell you how I think this stuff works. Let me tell you how I think the Lord gives us the victory. It's not like a whole group of people just gets together one day and says, you know what, when the enemy attacks, we're all gonna show up. I don't think that's how it works. I think there's somebody that sees the enemy attack and that somebody rises to the occasion. And, and in every group, there's gonna be people who are distracted. There's every, in every group, there's gonna be someone that's discouraged. I just even think about my marriage. 20 plus years of marriage. And it is a very rare thing when Kelly is discouraged and I'm discouraged at the same time. Usually it's one of us and the other can come and bolster the other up. Does that just kind of bear witness? Anybody say, Pastor, you're kind of describing my marriage. And I think that's how it goes. That in Israel, the Philistines had advanced and they caught them unexpectedly and people ran. But not Shama. Shama said, not today, Satan. Shama said, not today, not today. You know, you may take me out, but I'm going to leave a mark today because this is my field. This is my, this is my family. This is my church. This is my city. This is my neighbor. Now you're talking about my best friend and I'm not moving from this place. You know what? This house I believe is full of a room full of Shamas. There's people that says, pastor, if you're taking lumps, I'm taking lumps too. If somebody's talking about you, they're talking about me. I'm going to get in this thing with you. Listen to me. Somebody messes with you, they're going to get me too. If I've got food in my cupboard, you got food in your cupboard. Shama says, no way. And Shama stood right there in that lentil field. Here's what I believe he said. I believe he said, what I've worked for, Satan cannot have. What God has given me, Satan cannot have. This is my family. These are my children. And no woke professor, no woke school teacher, no angry uh, g g person in government, nobody down the street is going to step in and infringe on my child's 
right to live. My child's right. My, what I'm trying to put in my child. It's not going to happen. None, not, I might go to jail, but I'm going to go tell somebody what's up right here. You know what Shama didn't do? Shama didn't say, this is not the right time. This is not the right moment. I'm not prepared for this. I didn't even have my sword by my side. Shama said, well, it's about to get on. And so Shama went out into his field. This wasn't a random field. This was his field. This was in Israel. Invaders had stepped into his house. And he stood in the middle of the field and he fought. And I don't think that the Philistines all came lined up in a row. I think they were coming. And when Shama saw him coming, Shama, he wore some jokers out. And I think that Eleazar, <clears throat> I think Eleazar looked over and saw Shama out in the middle of the field. And Ele Eleazar said, hey, you might, you, you're going to drop my brother? That's a lot of you. But you're about to get me too. And Eleazar and Shama went out into the field and they started fighting. Now this is important because two against a whole army, that's a big deal. But it's a big deal when you got two people that show up because the Bible says one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. There is an exponential impact when the people of God come together. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. But when two agree touching a thing, let me tell you the Lord's right there. So I think Eleazar stepped in. I think Jeshobim, I think he stepped in. And then when the people of the Lord saw the three greatest warriors, stand, now I'm taking a little bit of license with that scripture, but you know what I'm saying. You don't understand what I'm saying. When they saw the leaders step into the mix, they said, well, I can't let my leaders down. And they began rolling out there. And you know what? <clears throat> Courage is contagious. That's how I think that Shama won the day. I think he rallied, just like Jonathan and his armor bearer. Remember when Jonathan crossed the ravine and picked the fight with those two dozen Philistines? Do you remember that? When Jonathan crossed that ravine, I think he stepped up as well. Saul was discouraged under the tree. And Jonathan just stepped up, him and his armor bearer, and just took a swipe at somebody sitting on a log around the campfire. The coffee was brewing. They weren't ready to fight. And when he did that, the... The power of initiative mattered so much. And it caught them off guard. They didn't have to have superior numbers. They didn't have to have communication dominance. They didn't have to have any of those things. They just stepped into the mix. And what happened is it caused a discouraged Saul and a discouraged army. It caused them to rally to the cause. And the people who defected, they turned on the Philistines there. And the people who had run away to the hills, they came into the fight as well. This is exactly where we are right now. Is we're, do we want to see revival in the church? Is there anybody that wants to see revival in the church? <laughs> Pastor, we'll see revival when everybody gets to prayer meeting. No, that is not when we will see revival. We will see revival when one man or one woman gets on their knees and begins to call out to God. It only takes one. The whole world can be against the church. The whole world can be against your family. The whole world can be against your faith. But God plus you is a majority every single day. And the people will rally to that. Now, now I've watched you. I, I've watched how you do this. I've watched how you attend church. I watch how you give. 
I watch how you serve. You know, in our small groups, everybody's doing ministry projects. You know, there's so many ministry projects. Some 600 ministry projects have happened in the last five years. I find out about so many of them on Facebook. I didn't plan them. I didn't put them together, but you're doing the work. You know what you're doing? You're standing in the middle of the lentil field. What do you mean, pastor? Well, Jesus says that some of the seed will fall on good soil. Some of the seed will fall in rocks. Some of the seed will fall in thorns. Some of the seed will be eaten by the birds. But in our field, in our field, our work, our ministry, the way we love, the way that we serve is what we're doing. We're not just planting seed. We're saying, oh, look, there's a rock in my field. Let me pick up that rock. Oh, look, there's some thorns in my field. Let me pull those up. Oh, look, there's some birds coming to eat the seed. Let me put out some scarecrows. I'm gonna chase off those birds. Those ideologies that exalt themselves above the name of Christ. When you, let me tell you, the, the thorns, it's when you gather up your children every night and you do devotions and you teach them the word of God and you talk about the things of God in the car and in the house and when you come and when you go and when your children are doing things that they shouldn't, then you lovingly correct them in the love of the Lord using the scriptures. And when they don't get it, you loving, collect, lovingly correct them a little little bit stronger, right? And then when they, when they, pastor, they're rebellious teenagers, then you even more lovingly say, son, I brought you into this world. Sweetheart, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. You know, that's a big rock you're picking up at that point. When you're saying in my field, I'm going to do everything that I can to allow the seed of the gospel to take root because this isn't just any field. This isn't gospel seed landing just anywhere. This is our field. This is our church. This is our city. And what do we want to see in the city? We want to see people who are far from Jesus come to know Jesus. Pastor, I'm, I really didn't like church. I had a bad experience at church. Well, let me pick up that rock of offense. You know what? We're, hey, friend, we're not perfect. In fact, I have some of my own problems and I'm sorry for whatever happened. Get rid of that rock, but I got a seat for you. Why don't you, let's go out to eat. Let's hang out. We're moving those rocks and those thorns. Now, I do think too that what's the word I'm looking for? There are some people that talk about it, church hurt. And can I just be honest? I think some people are just in 2021, just snowflakes, just a little bit. Is, it, is that okay? Is that true? Everybody Listen, we live in the first world. We are so blessed. When you're talking about the little pieces of drama, you just have nothing better to do than to complain. There are some things we should just stop complaining about. Anyway, anyway, okay, anyway. Lord help, Lord help me, right? Uh, you know what? I don't want to go to church because there's hypocrites there. Well, baby, don't worry about it. What's one more added to the crew? Come on in. Come on in, come on in, right? What do we have to do to pull up the rock of offense? What do we have to do to, to scare off the bird? Whatever it takes. I love one of the things that Fabian said. Fabian, Fabian said today, he said, the Pathway Church isn't just hiding in the building, but it's out in the community. What are we doing out in the community? Why, why did we give away a million pounds of food this last year? Because this is our field. These are our people. 
When people pulled up in brand new SUVs next to cars that were broken out, people that are on fixed income and they had never experienced anything like that before. When all the jobs had been cut down, why did we do that? Because we love people and we want them to know Jesus and the love of Jesus. Why do we do that? Because this is our field. A pastor, I don't like mobile. Don't talk about my town. Don't talk about my city. This is my field. This is the, I tell people all the time, if you can't get to heaven, at least get to Mobile. I mean, get to heaven by all means, but Mobile is a really great place. Hey, listen, I wasn't born in Alabama, but I got here as quick as I could. It's amazing. It's amazing. You don't like, you don't like Mobile? Take I-10 East, I-10 West, or I-65 North. There's three options right there. It's our field. And we love this field. I'm not dreaming about another field. Stop looking at other people's field. This is the field that God gave us. And when the Philistines step in here, we say, baby, this is my field. Maybe I got that wrong. Maybe it's a little bit more like Clint Eastwood. Get off my lawn. <laughs> right? Oh, but the, the kids, they're, they're dating now. You're not dating that joker. You're not dating that joker. That joker didn't even call me. Plus, I've seen him on Facebook. The only date he's about to have is a date with me. Why? Because this is my field. These are my kids. This is my family. This is my church. The Philistines, they've shown up, but that's no problem because we got home field advantage. And we're going to cultivate this field. There's nothing wrong with the seed. The problem is in the soil. Let's let the seed, let's let it live. Jump over, we'll close out here in First Chronicles chapter 29. And Sam, if you would come and airport campus, Moffat campus, let's all stand. That helps me to finish up quick, quicker. I don't want you standing all day. The opportunity has presented itself to us. This, this property over in Baldwin County is a miracle. Uh, I'll get a chance to tell you about it here just very soon. It's a miracle. It is a miracle. Airport campus, the, the building there. Oh, it's, this is the right time. It's the right time. That whole area is exploding. D.R. Horton developments everywhere. Housing neighborhoods going up everywhere. The road is being five-laned. All kinds of crazy stuff. And you know, look at what God did. He put us right there. He put us right there. Airport campus, I just want to tell you right now, what's about, what has happened is miraculous. Our very first Sunday, when we opened airport campus, we had 650 people at airport campus. God has done so much people being saved, transformed. Fabian, Fabian would not be following Christ if it hadn't been for airport campus. Now we won't get into the theology of that, but don't you know something special has happened? Pastor, you you don't understand right now. Don't you know about the supply chain? Don't you know how long it's gonna take to get steel? Don't you know how much things are gonna be gonna cost? Look, I didn't pick the time. I didn't pick the time. The Philistines have just shown up and now is the time.
Listen to me. When opportunity, I want you to know this. When opportunity presents itself, action is required. God is going to work. And you know what? He's going to work through us. He's not going to send the cavalry. You know, I've been wishing Jensen Franklin or T.D. Jakes would come and preach in Mobile, come and pastor in Mobile. But you know what? That's not who the Lord sent. The Lord sent Travis Johnson, who the Lord sent. Oh, pastor, wouldn't it be better if, if Times Square Church, you know, Pastor David Wilkerson, Carter Conlon, those guys are, you know, uh, so many great ministers of the gospel. If, if that church was here, then things would be much better. No, no, you don't understand. That is not who the Lord sent. The Lord sent Pathway Church. The Lord sent you. He knew exactly what our community needed. You are, you are exactly God's plan. And when this opportunity presents itself, action is required. And let me tell you, it's the opportunity of a lifetime. God has set us up in Baldwin County and I believe that what God has done here in Mobile, he is already doing this work in Baldwin. H have I shown you the pictures of what's happening at the Baldwin County small group? We started with a handful of people. I think I have some of those pictures right now. This is over in Fairhope, Alabama right now. We'll take anybody. Look at this joker with the Florida Gators hat on. Even he has a place. Even he has a place. God is at work. This group is now three times bigger than when it started four weeks ago. And we had a good small group then. God is doing really wonderful things. So here's the deal. When the opportunity of a lifetime presents itself, you have to respond. The action that is required has to come within the lifetime of that opportunity. We can't say, well, pastor, I'm going to get involved at a different stage in life. No, now is the time. Now is the time. And listen, our involvement, it doesn't have to be like the person down the road from us. It needs to be proportionate to where we are. That's all. And that's what I'm asking for. You know, take that envelope home. You guys pray for it. Bring it back next week. God is going to do the miraculous. How many of you believe that today? Can we just honor the Lord? Let's let him know we're believing for the miraculous. I'm believing for it. It's going to be a miracle. I can feel it's going to be a miracle. I'm going to do everything that I know to do. Kelly and I are going to give our biggest gift that we've ever given. We're going to stretch. We are going to stretch. And I am believing that God is going to do that in each one of us. He's going to help all of us. How many of you believe that today? Do you believe that today? You believe we're talking a miracle at the first Sunday in November. How many of you believe in that today with me? Come on, let's just bless the Lord. Just agree with me today. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us slash give. We'll see you next week.